with Ryan Reese from Southern California. This is Live with Ryan Reese. Post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Right tonight we have Paul Gomez in studio, and this has actually been an interview that I've been wanting to do for a while now, Paul. Thank you, Ryan. Oh, scoot up! We gotta get you on the mic over here. Oh, sorry. There we go. I was just re- I was lounging. <laughs> I'm so used to lounging with you, not having to be all cordial. I know. Get up on the mic. Push up on it. So, f- for a lot of you guys that are listening, I have Paul Gomez in studio, and I've known Paul since 1998. When I started working for the the brands for Circa Footwear and Snowboard Brands, um, during that time, you just left Billabong and you started working. You left with Bob Hurley and you guys started uh, Hurley Clothing. Yep. And um, at that time, you you were very involved and you still are involved in the music industry. Uh, it had a lot to do with uh, Vans Warp Tour and other record labels and all kinds of stuff that we're going to talk about in a minute. But um, you know, I'm just going to say out of the gates. You know, when I met you, it was an awesome time because, you know, you took me under your wing like a little brother at that time. And, uh, you know, you were very uh, inspirational for me. And, you know, I was young. I think I was only like 22 years old or something. 21. I was uh, 21 or 22. I was 21 or 22. 21 or 22. I was very young. And it was cool because, you know, you um, you just took me in and I started traveling with you, going to events and stuff. And, uh and it's just awesome now, years later, we've actually become more close um, after, you know, times of, things have happened during those times, but we became like brothers now. And you still, you know, I get to meet with you. You inspire me. You encourage me. You you teach me things. And you know what? You're just amazing. You've been an awesome influence in my life. So this is awesome for you to be here. Well, thanks for talking about that other Paul. I don't know what guy you're talking about. <laughs> no, no, I never told you this. You didn't know this stuff, but this is truly like how I feel. How well, I feel I the same way. Like there's, it's been unique for me from the lens of just like the the different iterations of of Ryan Reese. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing your brother Raw for so long and and seeing him come up in the game and start his own companies and do his own thing, and then you come up under your big brother, and then you had another brother. So, you, you know, just coming up in the game, and as you were just walking around out there i could see your struggles mm-hmm. i could see your challenges and I, and I would have to say in the very beginning i probably wasn't the best influence because you know i think we all kind of have a tendency to stray away from what our walk is and when we live in that lifestyle and you live in that world and you see that stuff you're, you're trying to you know manage a feet your feet in two different ships Absolutely. You're trying, Come for a little yeah, more so, the so you're trying like, to like 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 what it's saying, James, you know, like the double minded man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this thing's crazy. Yes. So I just think from from that lens, it's just seeing all that stuff and you were so you have the gift. And what I mean by the gift, you have the gift of the gap. Mm-hmm. You, you're the guy who can like a restaurant sold out when you were a kid and you could walk in and well, dude, sold out. You're like, no worries. I'm going to get us a table. And you'd like next thing you know, we're sitting front row. <laughs> Somehow you've weaseled your way into it. <laughs> Bend angle through everything you would do, yeah. and your brother would always be stuttering. And you're like, boom, like right in there sliding. So my thought process, and thank you for that, is is just looking at how to mentor people yeah. in life. I'm a high school dropout with dyslexia, and I moved out when I was 16. So it's just like I had to figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. And kids these days don't really figure it out on your own. And I wasn't raised in a church background. I wasn't raised in a godly background. And it's ironic. 
my aunt's downstairs. She leads. She's like a prayer warrior. She's Irma. We have Irma around here. Yeah, my uncle Gilbert was a yes big in the church. He passed away. Mm-hmm. My mom was really big in the churches. So, but, but wait, really quick. So, what was the environment when you grew up? Like, what what was the actual my uncle Gilbert was crazy. But wait, where were you from? Are you from? I was originally born in Boyle, like um, Montebello. We lived in Boyle Heights, and we moved to La Habra. Okay, so moving on up yep. from hood to hood. Yeah, and um, my parents, you know, did did good by us. My dad was really successful. And wasn't when we started. We were really poor. And yeah. then he worked his way up. And my mom found Christ. My dad pretended like he found Christ. But he lived a, a separate life. Yeah. You know, so in, and so in turn, he, he fell off, fell away. And it, it got really radical for a while towards the end. But we didn't have that. You know, I, I'll just never forget the first time I came home. I might have been in seventh or eighth grade. And my Uncle Gilbert was a straight gangster. Yeah. Like if anybody ever knew Marco Gilbert here, like he might have talked about it, but he was like straight gangster, white fence, like keys to the city, like he was Dang. gangster. And like you would never know if seen you him. You never know. But that's what Christ does, he changes. That's you. what Christ does. And when when I first experienced it, I was like I came in my house, never never there was never a Bible in our house. There was there was never went to church, never that stuff. And and my aunt Irma and Marco Gilbert were speaking in tongues. Wow. And people were freaking out and I was like, I hate this. Yeah, I hated everything it stood for. I hated it because I grew up in an alcoholic family. My parents drank crazy parties, chaos in my house. Next thing I know, nothing I'm familiar with. Yeah. And they could give up alcohol. They could give up all this stuff, but they couldn't do it for their kids. They gave it for something I didn't understand. Right. So at that point in my life, I was just kind of like really rebelled. How, how old are you at this point? I'm probably like 13. Got it. So wait, 12, 13, yeah, like 7th or 8th grade, just going into high school that's that age yep yeah and, and for me it was a challenge because i was high functioning dyslexic mm-hmm. and so to me i was the kid who went in the classrooms with the kids who wore helmets the special ed class special i was in special ed my whole life yeah so i was i was the little yellow bus that i wouldn't ride the little, the little yellow bus yeah. i'd ride my bike score walk right so it just kind of just how i had to transition through that and and not understanding or understanding god or understanding what his path was for me mm-hmm. so then later in life i ended up Finding Christ, probably when I was like nineteen. How 18. was that? Where, where was that encounter at? Vineyard in um, okay. in um, who, like who took you? How'd you end up in a church? <laughs> I, I I forgot how it happened. I think I was at an event somewhere, and somebody just kind of said, "Hey, you should check this out." And I was, I was, well, I got in trouble with okay. the police. Okay, and it was like I was doing things you shouldn't be doing. Right, and um, you know, my friend was at a restaurant and overheard the police talking. And there was going to be an arrest that was going to go down. and I was part of that arrest. And I was like, my friend's like, hey, you're going to get busted. This is what's going on. So then I disappeared for a little bit, mm-hmm. came back, and then my mom's like, hey, the police are here. They're looking for you. What's going on? I'm like, oh. So I bailed, went to a friend's house, and then my mom called by the time my friend. They go, the police are here. What's going on? So I, I figured out a way to not go to jail. Right. And that was kind of a wake-up call for me. And, I, and I, I think one of my friends, I can't even remember at the time. It was. So you're probably thinking, like, I'm going to try to flip over a new leaf or something. Yeah, it was, it was just like. I think you always think you start thinking desperate when you're like, I'm going to go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> one of the old, real fast. one of the old adages is that, is that people always say to me when I try to share the word of God with people, it's like, Oh, you find God in prison. You find him at war yeah. or you find him on your deathbed. Right. Right. You know? And for me, it just going there and understanding. And then at that point, you know, I was still like trying to make ends meet like party promoter kind of, that's yeah. why when I saw in you, it's like, I was like party promoter. I was doing nightclubs. I was working. I was working at Quicksilver at the okay, time. Okay, so w- wait. When I first met you, because I used to go really quick. I used to go to Billabong and buy clothes when I was a freshman in eighth grade. Yep. 
So that was like 1990, 89, 90. We used to go to yeah. Billabong. You go your dad. Billabong. I was at Billabong. I was at Billabong. So I, I was at Quicksilver. Okay. And then I left before Quicks- that. Before that. So I started working. I was, I was sponsored by Quicksilver when I was fourteen for surfing. Okay. So, okay. And then I was from. And then when I was sixteen, I moved out and I tried to be a hack pro surfer. Okay. And at seventeen, uh, my friend Danny Quad gave me a job running the surf team at at Quicksilver. Quicksilver. And then. I left Quicksilver in nine because we actually used to get close from Quicksilver too when we were yeah, younger. Yeah, and then I left Quicksilver in, in um, 1987. Okay, and I started working with Bob at Billabong, and I think that's kind of where everything really started to flourish with me because you know Bob was really, really Bob grounded. Hurley, Bob Hurley the was really, yeah, was really grounded in the word, and his wife's super grounded in the word, and she's mm-hmm. been you know part of Calvary and Chuck Smith since yeah. the day I can remember. Yeah. her kids were growing up in that way, and I I think Quicksilver had a bit of there's a bit of a party community, and there yeah. Billabong's mantra is if only a surfer knows a feeling. Got so it. it was kind of just um, tying back into it. So kind of found my walk there, and then in uh, 1989, 1988, I, I met my wife. So I had a girlfriend for a long time before that, and then I met my wife in 1988, and I got married in 1989. Okay. And my wife was really grounded in the word, and she and so she she saw the different iterations of me from 89 till we've been married 30 years now. Right. So it's kind of just looking at that lens and how how she kept me grounded and, and that type of stuff, even though I was, you know, I didn't do the drugs. I, I got away from all that stuff. I I tripped out that people were still still doing that because yeah. to me. My childhood was surrounded by that stuff. Right. right. So when you I didn't would, want any part of it. Almost when, like, when I was a kid, I found my, my dad's youngest brother, my uncle Sonny, got, we would go to prison and visit him. Mm-hmm. And he used to tell me how much he loved heroin. Dang. And he would go, I love heroin. I love heroin more than, than I love my kids. And he goes, when I get out, I'm going to, there's an old movie. It's a running me called Jericho Mile. It's filmed in San Quentin. My uncle's in it. And um, he's like, when I get out, man, it's the first thing I want to do. So he got out. And then we went to visit him. He was dead over heroin. He was, like, he was dead. We've heard that story so many times. Yeah. So it's just like that whole thing is like looking at kind of going. You're like, forget that. Well, you, people just think they're invincible and you mm-hmm. just, you see that whole thing. And as you grow older and you get in the music space and that type of stuff. So for me, I always had to make ends meet. Right. So I got married. When I asked my wife to marry her, I made $8 an hour. I was really embarrassed to tell her now, how much money I, I made. When you married her, were you already doing parties and stuff at this time? Because I want to kind of no, talk I was about st- that I was, I was still doing parties. I was doing that stuff. So what, was, what parties were you doing during that time? We were doing like a bunch of clubs. and like we did. Uh, I worked with a guy named John Seidel. Okay. He used to do a bunch of stuff called Power Tools and Dirt Box up in L.A. Okay. And then we started work, doing stuff down here like Macombos. And there's a, actually a club right there in the parking lot, Hurley. Mm. We used to do Monday nights there. And then we did another one on Thursday night. So you were promoting like, I club nights? I would just, just promoting club nights. Yeah. I was just going around going, hey, come check this out. Like At that point, it was like <sighs> – it wasn't electronic. It was more DJ. It was more dance style. Yeah. It was, well, it was it's like, just like club atmosphere. It kind of, it kind of is like as break dancing started to evolve, it's like got more into dancing. Like right. where you didn't have to spin on your head type stuff. Yeah. And then, um, so we started doing all that kind of stuff and that made ends meet. And then I, I started working with bands and I was always, cause I stopped going to high school my sophomore year and I loved music. Yeah. So I would, I would go to LA 
and I would count bands merching for them. I'd just show up and they'd be there. Everybody knows the band loads in like at noon. Yeah. So I'd be like, hey, what's going on? Like, I love your band. This is this. And I'd just, hey, can I help? I'd carry their merch in for them. I'd count their merch. I'd go, hey, I'll be here at the end of the night. Count your merch out. And I just started making friends with all these young bands. Mm-hmm. So like back then, it was like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and all these different mm-hmm. kinds of bands. And it was like you know, Beastie Boys and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff when they were coming up. And those those guys started becoming my friends. Mm-hmm. So the first time that Anthony Kiedis and um, Flea – Rick Rubin went surfing. Sonny Garcia and I took him. Mm-hmm. That's the first time they'd ever gone That's surfing. So, so it was like they were tripping out. So it's just kind of merging the worlds. And then when I was at Billabong, they had a Mike D wore a Billabong shirt on the cover of Rolling Stone. Mike D from the Beastie Boys. Mike D from the Beastie Boys. What? And and um, I almost lost my job at Billabong because of it. Because they're like, why would you have some New York hip hop artist guy wear a Billabong shirt on, on a Rolling Stone? We're not, we're a surf company. We're not that. We're not a New York hip hop company. And I was like, wow, I was kind of tripped out. And Bob was super tripped out. He's like, dude, what are, what is this? Like, we we're kind of just tripped out by the what way. What the thing. heck? So we started looking <laughs> at other opportunities, and we started doing more and more stuff in music. And so you, you and Bob agreed more on like that yeah bob's bob's always had like if you look at the old movies we put out like all the old surf movies we had like concrete blonde in it we we had social distortion yeah we had yeah. tsol we had you know bob was or, or i'm sorry uh hurley was more of like a had more of like a rocker feel or just more like music. It just, what, was it like a clean surf no it was it was a little bit more, more gritty yeah and bob bob had a he had really a really good love with music and then yeah i think our last movie we did um we were able to use nirvana yeah. Yeah. So, so before anybody like before they even blew up, we put Nirvana on one, on one of our um, soundtracks. Then you were then you were working. Uh, did you do some stuff with Kevin Lyman and, and I did with uh, Kevin Lyman. So the first year the Warped Tour went out, we all went out to we all went out together, and then um, it wasn't as successful as we thought. So the second year, Kevin Lyman was going to do the Warped Tour. He kind of um, pulled everyone together, so it was like. You know, all the guys from Epitaph, and everybody, we all kind of sat in a room and said, hey, can you all guys take a little bit of a reduction on this thing and get this thing going? Like, let's mm-hmm. go out there and make this happen. So we went out, and it was very successful the second year. And then the third year going into it, we was – God, what was it? I can't even remember. That was a long time ago. But we we were just getting ready to launch Hurley. Mm-hmm. And um, I went out there, and, and Joe Sib, he's a comedian. He's awesome. If you ever going to go see him, it's Pretty clean comedian, mm-hmm. and um, Joseph was he has a, a, a record label called Side One Dummy, and um, he came out there and, and I was handing out wife beaters with Hurley logos on. He's I'm all do work. Nobody wears wife. I'm all but I'm a cholo. I'm all everyone wears wife beaters. So I was handing out wife beaters to everybody and put stickers on all. Like so if you look at all the old, there was like Hurley stickers on every stage. I think I was actually there. I think I met you at that one. Yeah. So we were putting Hurley stickers everywhere. Who, it was Blink. I think well, we that was Blink. Blink. So Rick Devoe, who's a really good friend of mine, yeah. so Rick. That's that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. Rick had a company called Big Dummy Productions. Mm-hmm. And so there was a movie that just came out recently, just won a bunch of awards called The Momentum Generation. Mm-hmm. So it was with all the surfers, and there was a kid named Taylor Steele, and he made all these movies. Mm-hmm. Brett Gurowitz really got what he was trying to do, and he gave him all the Epitaph catalog for free. So he got to use Pennywise, Offspring, uh, yeah. No Effects, everybody, everybody got to use. And then Rick started putting these tours together. So we did the Focus Tour, the Momentum Tour. We did all these things. So we toured the nation mm. with surf movies and punk rock bands. Sick. So that kind of – and then Rick at that time was just a, a, a small-time promoter, and he was working for – he had his own independent company, and he got bought by Bill Silva Presents. At that time, Rick had had um, Unwritten Law and Blink-182 
trying to manage him. Like there, he was managing, working with him. And then Bill Silva's like, Hey, I'm starting a management group. You know, what are you going to do? And he's Rick's like, I'm bouncing. He took blink with him. And there was kind of an argument, but he left unwritten law and took blink with him. And then turned blink turned into what blink turned into. It was like a perfect storm. Yeah. So I was like, I was the first employee of Hurley. Yeah. So everybody worked at Billabong, and then I resigned and just went and started Hurley on my own with Bob. Mm-hmm. And that was like, everyone's like, "Oh, big market!" I like, I think I had like fifty thousand bucks mm-hmm. and stickers and T-shirts to go around the world and make this thing happen. Yeah. So we we did that, and it just was a perfect storm. We I know Blink was wearing this stuff, and it just well, it was crazy because if you if you watch if you go Google back in history, yeah. So you would have to duct tape your logos on mm-hmm. MTV. Or they blur them out. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I had that problem with Circa. So, yeah. yeah. You went through the problem with Circa yeah. and everything else. So, Blink was they opening the bill, um, the MTV Music Awards. And Rick, he's punk rock, right before they walked on stage, he ripped the duct tape off their stuff, off their clothes. So, they walked out on stage and they were wearing a Hurley opening. And this was before. And they're, like, yeah. playing. And it was, like, and it was live. It so. was live. And it was, like, <laughs> it's Hurley. Like, everyone's, like, you know, at that time, we were, like, using the bright yellow shirts uh-huh. and the green. Yeah. And boom, they're on stage wearing Hurley. Done. Right. And it was just like, and then we launched the brand. It was a blowing up. We had surfers doing rad things. And, you know, and then the warp tour happened. Kevin Lyman was super heavily supportive. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just blew up. I mean, we took big risks. Our sales team quit via Federal Express letter the day we sat them down and go, hey, we're going to start this brand. They all quit. But it was perfect because those were kind of all old dogs and all the new dogs yeah. were sub reps. And anybody knows if you work in the industry, yeah. sub reps are the guys on the floor shaking hands. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the old guys are walking back and talking to the buyer. And they never pay attention to the kids exactly. on the floor. So it was like we kind of always have that same momentum of how you would connect with kids on the floor. And that's it's bringing it full circle. That's where I see the whosoever's. And that's why what you were doing because we fell off for a while. And I didn't even know that you got saved. And last time I saw you, mm-hmm. pretty crazy. And off the charts and I was worried about you and your well, brother. Last time I think I saw you was in, uh, in Canada when I had pasta in my pants. No, I saw you. <laughs> pasta pants. That was a different night. And then nah, we'll talk about that off the air. And yeah. then, then there was, there was a moment in time when I was going to throw your brother off the balcony of his building. Yes. So there was, there was some pretty, so, so pretty with, heated conversations. All, okay. So listen, so with all that said, you have the background of what, 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 what's going on with Paul. He's trying to work out his faith through this whole thing. And then we actually some drama happens. Me and you get separated. Yep. We and me and you never had a problem. No, never. But but I got I was I was just losing my mind. I was going crazy. You were doing your thing, and we just fell off. And then we reconnected. We reconnected. Yeah, like, it was crazy. Uh, Eleven years ago. Yeah, it was well, crazy. I, I actually, no, I don't know. It was a while ago. It was, it was at least, it was like six years ago. No, it was, it was longer than that because you came to, you had reached out to me because I didn't know you were saved. I didn't know, I yeah. didn't know any of the backstory. Yeah. And then, um, you, you reached out to me because you were trying to do a music festival yes. and I was doing music festivals at the time. And you, yes. and somehow somebody goes, Hey, I know you're doing music festivals. Yes. We had a bunch of music festivals out there on the road. And, um, we just, we ended up, I don't know how I'm, I don't know how we ended up getting, ta- getting together and talking. And yeah. then I kind of put some meetings together for you that kind of never came to fruition. And, but it just kind of just, I looked at where you were going and I looked at what the Who Severus was doing and, and I just went, man, this is like Hurley back in the day. It's just, it's just people out there hitting the streets, putting stickers up, talking to the kids, not forgetting about the kids, mm. getting, trying to educate the, our elders to understand that like the kids are the future and yeah. how, how we relate to them and how we speak to them and make sure that they realize that, that following Christ is probably the most punk rock thing you're ever going to do in your life. 100%. And I think from both where you and I sat, 
we thought the things that we were doing, living that rock star lifestyle was like the most punk rock thing you could do, like yeah. being on private jets or doing all that kind of stuff and being at MTV. And you just find out how hollow and empty that is. Yeah. It just becomes really hollow and empty. So when that came together, it was like really interesting for me. And it kind of put it, put me in check because I think at that time, you know, I left early eight, eight years ago now. Mm-hmm. Then I went to podium for a little bit. And then I was like, well, you were at podium at that for one year. Time, yeah, DBS. and I went in there and I, and I, I went when we met. You were you think I was you were at revamping podium. it? Yeah. yeah, I was at podium, and um, I just I just saw how how lost some of the skaters were, how hard they were struggling. You know, they were they were they were kind of getting up. No, the only guy was who was always really solid and really knew a positive direction was Day One. Mm-hmm. Day One was just really solid in who he was, but a lot of the other skaters, you know, they lived that really hard lifestyle, drinking yeah. and this that and the other. And I was like. Like, wow, man, people are lost out here. And it's like, mm. it, it was a really unique opportunity for me to step away from the industry. And I, I always had plan B. I've always had plan C. I've always had yeah. plan, you know, I, I just had to live my life by, you know, I don't have the education. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I, you know, you gave me my lemon drop Bible. Yeah. And I struggle reading that every day. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I listen to scripture all day long. I listen to Chuck Smith. I listen to... I listen to, you know, as much positive music yeah. as I possibly can. And then I find myself sometimes just, I'll get in a car and like, people are, what do you listen to? Most of us like, oh, they get all kind of bummed out. And then, <laughs> then I'll put on like 60s, 70s, 80s music. It's uh-huh. kind of not where music's at today. Yeah. And I think the, the full circle of it all is like looking at where, you know, stepping away from that, stepping away from it is I got involved in a supplement company. And that was awesome. And then we had a huge family falling out because of it. And that's a whole nother off camera so story. I want, to, I want to jump in here for a second because during this process, I, I saw a lot of transitions happening when I first met with you. And then that's when you got into supplements. And, yeah. then, and even with your faith, like there was, you were, you were, uh, you were starting to come to church and not you already going to church, but you started coming to our, the shine when we had Jay Adams there, oh, yeah. th- that shine studies and, and you were growing. I could see like there was a transition, like you wanted more. It wasn't like surface, like you were trying to learn more. And I saw as you were growing, uh, one day you just called me and said, Hey, I need to get baptized. And I'm like, all right. You're like baptizing me. I'm like, all right, when? Today, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I got like 20 minutes right now before I have to bounce. You got a pool? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be there. And then you were like, I'm on my way. Remember that? Day? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, Crystal's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Crystal she, was in a wheelchair. Yeah, but we she had, was, we, yeah, yeah, cause she was on, uh, cause the pool the, was the, freezing the, cold. The kids. Yeah. It was in winter and thank God we live in Southern California. And I'm like, She's like, we got to go. I'm like, no, Paul wants to get baptized. Okay, well, when are you going to do it? Right now. He's coming to the pool. Right now. We're going to baptize him right now in the, in the pool. And, and then you came over. Dude, you prayed for me. We I, walked in the pool. You baptized me. And you prayed for me again. I, I'm not kidding. <laughs> it probably took three minutes max. It was like, in, da, 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 da. Underwater, blah, 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 blah. Dude, I got to bounce. Got to go to the hospital. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, I'm oh, good. Yeah, because yeah, we had to go to the hospital. That's right. And I was like, well, we could go to the ocean and go do the whole thing. You're like, no. I Because that's when I knew God was doing something. Because you're yeah. like, no, dude. I want to get baptized right now, today. And because I know when I got baptized, I remember I was uh, on the East Coast. I was meeting with uh, Lacey from Flyleaf. Yeah. And her whole band, when I first met her, and her husband, you know, I was a new Christian at that time. And her husband goes, hey. He's like, you need to get baptized. There's just something about the water baptism. And he explained what it was. And I remember I was coming back from, 
I was actually where they were. They were in Texas at that time, and I was taking my connection, and I landed somewhere in my connection, and I called my dad, and I said, and it was winter. It was like January or yeah. something. I go, Dad, I'm like, I need to get baptized today. And I remember landing in Los Angeles, and I drove to their house, which was an hour out of my way, and I remember it was dead winter, and their pool was not heated. My pool was at least warm at my where I was at. This was like water was like fifty something degrees, and I remember just stripping down to my boxers. I was in my boxers, and my dad just dunked me right there in the winter. But it was like there was just something about it where I was like, like you. It's so funny. We have like these similarities. I was like, I'm getting baptized. I'm getting baptized today. Yeah, because you did, you can't. <laughs> it's interesting because when the baptism happened for me, it was like there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in my life, and I've had success business. Yeah. But I haven't always had success in faith. Talk, talk to me about that. So you look at, you can look at everything. You can, if, if I was to take a step back, you look at all these people who are really wealthy mm-hmm. and are these actors and all these things, but they're lost. And one of the things I, um, Ben Corson spoke this weekend at our church. And one of the things that, what like, church you go to? Uh, I go to uh, San Juan, San Juan. Calvary. Oh, yeah. oh, John Randall. There. Cool. So John's on, on the road. That's right. right. Duh. I go yeah, there. You me. go there with me. Duh. <laughs> Sorry. I'm getting old. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So so what he has said to me was what blew my mind is, you know how Ben Corson speaks. It's like a rapper. Mm -hmm. He's going crazy. But Mm -hmm. one of the things he said to me, oh, this is happening, blah, blah, blah. He goes, do you know that every 41 seconds somebody kills himself? Dang. Like he kind of just, every 41 seconds somebody kills himself. Yet we're tripping on coronavirus. And he just goes on the Ben Corson rap. And I was like, man, that hit me. And I was thinking about that because at one point, I really was suffering through depression and I really, I used to be super down on people who killed themselves. Mm-hmm. I've had so many friends kill themselves and so many things happen. I was like, sissies, they can't stick it out. This, that, and, and then it hit me one day. I was just like, I remember I was on a podcast and it was a, it was a, a podcast up in Northern California and I, I had to drive from that podcast and I kind of just went through my whole life and there was some profanity, but it was kind of like talking myself up a little bit and the whole trip and kind of everything. And, and then we were in this lawsuits and all this kind of crazy stuff going on in my life. And I was driving from, from, um, Sacramento to Utah mm-hmm. and dude, something came over me and I, I had a panic attack. I never had a panic attack in my life and I was freaking out. So I pulled over on the side of the road and I was like, I called my wife. I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm freaking out. Like, oh, I was like, I'm tripping. I'm having a heart attack. I'm like going on. And she's like, no, where are you? Like, I don't know. I'm on the middle of the road somewhere. And like that road from like, I've been on that road, but it's just the middle of nowhere. And I was like tripping. So I hung up the wife and I called my financial planner. I'm like, dude, I'm freaking out. He's like, you're fine. Like you, you, you can stop working right now. You're, you're good. I'm like, but it's not about that. I'm not fine. Oh, I was freaking out. And then, you know, I made it to where I had to go. And then I was in a car. It was just, I was kind of losing it. Then I ended up go checking myself in the hospital because I thought I was having, went to, in a short amount of time, went to the hospital like three times thinking I was having a heart attack. That's crazy. Like I was just tripping out and yeah. I was like so lost. And then I was, we started connecting that one day. I'm like, dude, I got to get baptized right now. And I just, I see, it, I didn't even know the backstory. Yeah, I got it's like, it's got to happen right now. Like, it's something like I'm seriously considering just eating it. And yeah. I thought about your dad and like yeah. his testimony. I was like, yeah, dude, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, I was laying in bed and not be able to get out of bed. And I felt so bad for my wife because she, I've always been there and I was like stuck. Yeah. I was super stuck and I still get stuck. Like yeah. last night, I didn't sleep good and I'm, I'm in um, Ezra right now. And, and sometimes when I'm having a bad night, I always turn on Chuck and yeah. listen to it. But like sometimes, it, it doesn't work in that room. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not working. Yeah. I'm freaking out. And well, I we, still- we know that, you know, just for the listeners, we know that uh, the, the scripture says, you know, we've quoted this verse a million times on this on this uh, 
station. It talks about uh, Ephesians six: We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of the unseen world. There's, there's, it's we're in a spiritual. Once you turn on the spirit life, that Holy Spirit life, then there's a there's a wrestle between the good and the evil in our life. And the enemy he wants to bring anxiety, he wants to bring bitterness, he wants to bring anger, he wants to bring depression, he wants to bring all these bouts. But we know that greater is He, Jesus Christ, that's in us than He that's in the world. And it, it, it's a spiritual battle. You know, we know that the enemy Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, "I've come to give life abundantly." And the whole thing is Satan wants to get us off course from the purpose of how He's using us. And I know what God's been doing with you is God's been using you as a major voice. Uh, uh, in your life to a lot of celebrities, a lot of musicians, a lot of artists, um, businessmen, myself, uh, people that run movements. Uh, you have a great reach and God is using you in a powerful way to impact so many people. So what does is, what is the enemy want to do? He wants to get you off course. He wants you to just get off the path because then everyone that you've been influencing will go, oh, this stuff must not be real. And that's what Satan wants to do is he wants to discredit um, Get you off course. So people that are listening to your voice will um, get off course and just say, ah, oh, this this couldn't be real. Just like that pastor that committed suicide a while ago. Yeah. It must not be real. No, it is real. It's just you can't give in to the enemy. But we're going to go to break in one okay. minute, Paul. Um, listeners. Check out thewhosoevers.com. Go to thewhosoevers.com. We got our app up there. We're on social media. If you want to send in questions, we'll answer them. Send a video. Uh, f- uh, send a video question. You could just do it on uh, Instagram. Send it to us. You could type out messages. Just contact us online. We tour the uh, public school system. Uh, we go to uh, Australia. Pan- Wait, let's see where are we going. We're going to Ecuador right now. Chile, Australia, Colombia, all through Central America, all around the United States. We want to go to Europe. We just got an invite to go to Uganda. That will be trippy. We've been to India. We'll go anywhere. Just contact us. Go to thewhosoevers.com. Shoot us an email, and we will uh, we'll set up a tour with you guys. Our mission is the Great Commission. What we've been talking about on this show is that people are de- dealing with depression, suicide, anxiety. They're, they're, they're like Paul said. People are lost. What we want to do is want to introduce them to the God of the universe so they could turn that light switch on and then live that life that they were created for. We'll talk to you guys in two minutes right after the break. With Ryan Race coming up. Is everything all right? Sure. Call now. 1-888-564-6173. Or post your questions using the hashtag LiveRyanReese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, I think I speak for the entire administration when I say... Whoop-de-doo. Now, back to Live with Ryan Reese. Don't say we didn't warn you. All right, we are back. I got Paul Gomez in the studio. If you've been listening to the first half of the show, your mouth has probably been dropping. This is awesome. I love bringing people that are uh, in culture. They're Christians, but they're living their life in culture, um, shifting culture by their influence. So right before we went to the break, Paul, you were talking about how obviously you worked at Quicksilver for a while. Uh, then you worked at Billabong, uh, Billabong and you worked in the you were doing music festivals, music industry, all kinds of crazy stuff, and you've just struggled with your faith back and forth, and that's relatable because anyone that's actually working in culture, you're always trying to find that balance. You're like, I, wa- I love Jesus, but you're always getting drawn to the world, and you're like, you know, it's it's always that that constant ba- balance with life. Even even now, even with me, I'm always trying to balance everything. That's the whole key to life, and you never have it figured out. You're constantly fighting for the balance. 
balance. But there was like a pivotal moment in your life where you were driving from a podcast you just did from like where San Jose area or something. I was driving from Sacramento. Sacramento, Sac, up to Utah. And on the road, you started having this panic attack. Next thing you know, you went to the hospital a couple times. It was this anxiety attack that the enemy was bringing on. You called me. You said, Ryan, I need to get baptized, which we talked about the first half of the show. Yeah. We baptize you. And then what happened from that point? The attacks got real. So the enemy came in. Oh, yeah. Attacks got real. And it was interesting because before I wasn't prepared, this time I was prepared. Not, I, would call, I would call you a lot. I would call Sonny. Yes. I would call Sonny a lot. You know, I have a friend, Craigie, who's uber successful. But at this time, I had, I had some friends like you met. We did a, a trail run in Hawaii called the Ultimate Hawaiian Trail Run. And my friend, Kai Garcia. Yes. He's, he, was, um, he didn't know God. Not and, the, and the first time that uh, he came in, he was dabbling and everything else. And Ryan used to do uh, Shine on Thursday nights. Yep. And I, well, Ryan, oh, you know, I want to bring my friend Kai with me. And um, we went, he, we were going to go. And he's like, I'm not there. He goes, but my dad's teaching in San Clemente. So we took him to your oh, dad. Yeah, that's right. We took him to your dad. And so it was my friend Kai, my friend Leaf, my friend Aaron, my friend Billy, who I just picked up, who I just right. met, squad. who just got out, of, who just had come from a halfway house. He had OD'd. Who, his it? name is Billy Quintaro. We call him Billy Kiwi. They're all guys from Kauai. He used to be really gnarly dudes. Okay, I remember you calling me about that. Yeah. So we all went, and um, Kai was like tripping. He was like, whoa. He's like, he's like, he's getting all uncomfortable. And I'm, he's like, dude, I feel like I'm going to cry. I'm all, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he's a big dude. He's a, hey, he's a monster. He's a monster. He's a big human. He was, he's Kyborg. And he, Kyborg, that's what you're looking at. Yeah, so he, he, he's like the, he looks like the Hulk. Yeah, he's and he's a, he's he's the sweetest guy, and um, <laughs> we went there and 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 then the next the next that following Sunday I took him to Pastor Pete's church. Okay, sick. I and really then Pastor Pete had known because Pastor Pete lived in that you know that world, and, and yeah. you know he's real Pastor Pete's great surfer. We, we've we've had uh, we've had Pete on the show. Uh, what's his last name again? Cropsey. Cropsey. We, we've had it. He's been on the show. You guys probably heard the interview. So Pete Cropsey. So Kai went to his church, and Kai was Pete put him front row. <laughs> and he was like, oh, he was freaking out and the whole thing. And then now, by the way, Pete is a uh, ex. Uh, he was like one of the top guys in the Vogel. He was a, he was a sergeant of arms. He was a sergeant of arms was, of the Vogel gang, the motorcycle yeah. gang. Yeah. So this guy's also a monster covered in tattoos. Yeah. So now monster. here's Kai at this church. And it's the same group of guys, all monster, <laughs> all, all guys, none of them under 240 pounds. And um, Kai got saved. So he got saved. He got, he got saved. It was a little bit later. And then That's sick. Kai was like. So when I, I kind of, by default, built this army of guys around me that were just like me, mm. but getting newly engaged in Christ. Yeah. So it was really easy for me to be newly engaged with Christ, with my friends who I'm super close, even though they live in Hawaii. Yeah. And just kind of just, we started, we created this thing called Keepers of the Brotherhood. It's a, yep. it's a thread that we we have every morning. It comes up on our on our phone. Dope. And it's so... It just was this really unique thing, and then we just started doing really good stuff. Now, now Billy's like, he saw it. He he uh, goes in every. He goes and helps all the kids in prison in Kauai. He uh, finds halfway houses for them to live when they get out. Teaches them scripture. Kai has a Bible study every Tuesday morning in his house. Uh, Wait, Kai has a. He does something with the youth too. He sent me pictures of. Yeah, his he cross, does because well, he owns a CrossFit. Well, gym no, that's there. Aaron. Aaron's big. Oh, Aaron. oh Kai. Sorry. So sorry. Kai, Kai lives on Oahu. Aaron, yeah. we have a thing called the Kiala Foundation. So we started a trail run that helps all the kids. So it's just kind of all this this whole thing. So Kai has a Bible study Tuesday mornings. Uh, there's just a bunch of different things that really started coming together that that took my admin and my time. 
mm-hmm. focusing it towards helping. Yeah. Right. And we had you come out and speak to the kids. I yeah. think the second year of the children. Uh, I'm not sure what year, but yeah, I was there. With yeah, you were there with Crystal, and it was just like looking at the whole lens and how I've been able to take those fears and. I've been, I'm currently in like a bunch of lawsuits and, mm. and we're constantly getting sued. That's the wonderful state of California. And, and they just can see you for anything. I could walk out here and say, Ryan offended me and I could see you. Fact. So don't sue me. I <laughs> just, You're my friend, but my friends have sued me. Actually, <laughs> exactly. my, my family members have sued me, which is even more crazy. Yeah. So I, I learned through those guys who were the biggest, toughest, gnarliest guys on the planet who love God now mm-hmm. to forgive, mm-hmm. wow. to, to, it's so hard to get up every morning and you, and you look at everybody who's attacking you and you have to. Now I look at it and I'm like, man, what a, what a sad life. Like I wish they have what I have. Mm. And, I, and even me having it, it's super hard to hold on to because it's faith, right? So uh, let's talk about unforgiveness or forgiveness because you have these people that are driving you crazy where you don't eat bitter anger and all this stuff. Oh. How, so how forgiving people is hard. <laughs> Especially when you've been done dirty. Oh yeah, you, you, you. How'd you? How do you? How, you how, how have you accomplished it? I haven't. Yeah, that's the challenge. You're working it out. I'm working it out because every day it's like every day there's you know, you know there's crazy stuff that happens. Like you ask for forgiveness, you for, you think you forgive them, and then something else happens. All of a sudden it comes back. Yeah, and I look at it from a lens of like you know there's been personal attacks on my family. There's yeah. been there, they've, there's been you know, and then you go like threats, like threats, and then you go you go and you go to the law and you go hey they're threatening my family. And they go, oh, they threatened it perfectly to where you can't, you can't do anything. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And then I'm like, I know bad people. I could take care of this with one phone call. But I'm yeah. like, what good is that? Then it's one of the things that Fieldy taught me one time. Something bad happened with one of my daughters, and I was like, okay. For the a, listeners, this is Fieldy, from Fieldy the bass player from Corn. From Corn, Field. I was tripping, and, and I called Fieldy, and Fieldy just kind of just immediately set me straight. He goes, because you know what, God has one thing. And I go, and he goes, vengeance is mine, so saith the Lord. Because you really want to go against God? Mm. You really want to take that one thing that he has? You want to take vengeance into your hands? That's the one thing he says is mine. Vengeance, vengeance is mine. Says so, so, so saith the Lord. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty scary. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to stand there and go, I, I know the word, and that's, that's, that's the yeah. one kind of rule you don't want to break. Yeah. So looking at it now, I just, I just really, you know, like I said, you know, looking at, Paul in the Bible. Yeah. Saul of Tarsus. Yeah. So now he's Paul. Think about how gnarly Saul of Tarsus was. Okay. We'll give a little background for the listeners. Who is Saul? Or what's the story? Saul was a guy who was just a gangster. He was going around killing people. Mm -hmm. He was rugged. He was thrashing people. And all of a sudden he came to Christ Mm -hmm. and he was forgiven and he came in name and he was, and then he went and was heavily persecuted for following Christ every single day. Mm -hmm. And when they were going to let him out of jail, so now nah, I'm gonna stick around. Mm-hmm. There's more people to be saved. He didn't have that bitterness. He didn't have that anger. He he had forgiveness for everyone who came against him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't angry. He wasn't. It was just, when I look at that story, and I look, or I look at Job. All these things, they lost everything. Mm-hmm. They never lost their faith. So one of the things that I learned was like everything that I was hanging on to, and, and I think I told you this one day. I have this kind of mantra I've created in my life. Mm-hmm. Hope is less. People go, hope is less. I go, everything we're hanging on to, oh, that car, this, that, that makes you feel hopeless. Because you're feeling like if I lose that, 
But when if once you let it go, mm-hmm. you realize it, it it made you feel hopeless. So get letting things go. Hope is having less. Mm-hmm. So when you travel to third world countries and you see, I'll never forget this one time I was in Fiji. My friend owns an island there, and, and I, there was this really aggressive shark. I'm like the, every time we dive, the shark would come in. I'm, I'm going to kill that shark. I'm over it. I'm, and I went and caught a fish specifically to kill the shark, right? Mm-hmm. So I came in. I put the fish down, and it was over by where, where the Fijians live on this island. And I came back, and the fish was gone. And I was like, dang, where would my fish go? And, and the Fijians had taken it just to eat it. My fish was made for vengeance, mm-hmm. right? And then they got scolded for taking the fish that I was trying to kill somebody with. And I just looked at it as like, these people are the happiest people who are smiling. Mm-hmm. And I was create, trying to create vengeance on something that bothered me that could have fed somebody. Wow. And, and they said, they can keep the fish. I don't need to kill the shark. Yeah. It's not that important. So when you look at all that stuff, it was a fish, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have anything. Yeah. They have rice, fish, and a hut. Mm-hmm. If you ever go to Fiji, you know what they have? They have a smile. Yeah. They have a smile every day. The people who have the least have the biggest smile. The people who have the most have the most anxiety. Right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like I had this big house. I sold it. I remember it. I used to have these cars. I don't have them. Mm-hmm. I used to have all these different kinds of things. And like, there's a funny little battle going on right now because I want a truck, you know? And it was like, because I feel naked without a truck. I bought a little RAV4 mm-hmm. hybrid so I could get good gas mileage. Oh, right? yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I don't have a truck. <laughs> and like, so now it's a car payment thing. Without, it's, it goes back to it's like praying about it. And, like, and it's crazy because the car dealership keeps calling me and trying to make the deal. So at the end of the day, but I look at it as like, I think God prunes us. I think life prunes us. Yeah. And I think the more we're pruned, the less we feel armored. And you taught me this a long time ago. We have to armor ourselves with his blood. Mm-hmm. We have to, I mean, it could get emotional thinking about it because, like, sin causes us to be not naked, right? So when Adam committed sin, we in turn felt shamed mm-hmm. by walking around naked. So how do we not feel shamed? How do we not feel this way? You have, and the only way path to heaven is through faith, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what, everything that I have mm-hmm. ain't going with me. Nope. Every time you see a, a family lose a family member or lose a parent, it destroys a family. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're taking the material items. And they're trying oh, to yeah, divvy them up. Oh, yeah, because everyone gets in the lawsuits and they just start fighting. They're trying, they're trying to divvy them up. And you watch families get destroyed by material things. Yeah. So to me, I just looked at like my hope is less. Mm-hmm. My my hopelessness is caused by more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So it's like that, it's, it's that it's that un we're, – we're, we're a world of – Access. We have everything's on our fingertips. Everything's right there. We can have it now. We, I mean, you can make. I can call right now, and we can have a pizza right outside that door. And and there's a droid dropping it off to us. There's there's no, and it's all on credit. And you don't have to pay me. And this is what's going on. And now and now it's like you have you have our everything's for free. We're going to pay off your college debt. And it was crazy. I put up a thing on Bernie Sanders on my, on my thing here. Just, just, just to get people and all my rock star friends start chiming in and going off. I'm like, okay, let me put it to you this way. How about you don't take any more royalties. Uh-huh. You give them to all the little bands and uh-huh. you pay for them to go on tour. Uh-huh. 
and then you step off the big stage and you put them, you go to the little stage and let them be on the big stage. I, well, I earned it. That's not the way. That's not the way it works. Nothing's for free. Yeah. Right. So nothing's for free. Mm-hmm. So where are we, what are we putting our time and energy into? What is our endeavor? What are, what are we looking towards every day? And, and for me, it's like, you took, you turned me on a chuck and like, I've been trying to go through the Bible every day. Cause I, I, you get my, you and I are exactly the same. We, we text each other and it's cryptic. We're basically <laughs> totally inept when it comes to writing. Right. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're lemon drops without, yes. without the drop on it. We're just lemons. I'm always asking people to look at my text. Does this read right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you look at that and you kind of posting. That's a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah. So you look at, you look at all of it and just kind of bringing it full circle is like, I've found that seeing my granddaughter, seeing my son find his way to Christ when he was, he was, he was struggled mm-hmm. really hard, you know, watching my daughters in the industries they work in, trying to figure out their way through Christ and how it comes together yeah. and me not being angry, right? Me not like, this is how it is. Like being loving when you're a guy like me is a challenge. Big challenge. Yeah. Cause I, I, my, my, my whole thing is like, I want to punch you in the face. I understand. Yeah. And, but it's like, <laughs> I, I can't do that anymore because everyone knows jujitsu and they'll probably choke me out. So, so my, my thought process is, I can't is like, do it either because of the position I'm in. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> but it's not, but that, a lot of times, like, what does God do every day to us? Yeah. He, 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 well, you don't want to be that angry guy. You know what I'm saying? Well, but at the end of the day, it's like a lot of things that we, 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 Paul got punched in the face every single day, right? And what, what did Jesus say? If someone slaps you, turn to the other cheek. If someone oh, sees, if someone sees you, give them everything. Yeah. Because yeah. ain't going with you. Yeah. Right. So we hang on to these things that are so material. And it's like those, I think those are the biggest struggles in life. Mm-hmm. And especially now, like you have children, I have grandkids, mm-hmm. I have children and you look at you kind of go, it's not about me anymore. Yeah. One of the greatest epiphanies I had was, and this was how everything kind of came to a head is when I ran the mar- I ran the marathon mm-hmm. and in the last three miles of the marathon, I'm like, I don't want anything. I just want to finish this marathon. Yeah. I don't want a car. I don't want a house. I don't want anything. I just want God and my family. That's all I want. Mm. That's all I need. Mm. Everything else is irrelevant. And, I, mm. and I'm not kidding. I called my wife when I was done. I'm like, I want to sell the house. I want to sell the cars. I want to get rid of all my motorcycles. I don't want anything. Mm. I don't want anything. I drive a RAV4, which I'm belly aching about wanting a truck. Mm. I, my wife has her car. Mm. I don't have a motorcycle. I had motor, five motorcycles at yeah. one point. I don't have an office. I work out of a coffee shop. I I pretty much, I wear the same t-shirts I wear every day. I don't, mm-hmm. my only addiction is surfboards and I get those pretty cheap. Yeah. You, simp- you simplify. Yeah. You simplify. But isn't that what God's pruning us to do anyways? He, we make our lives complicated when he's trying to make it simple. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think if I was to ponder everything in and my it's life, not wrong. And just for the record, it's not bad to have. No. We're not talking about having money and, and being successful. And and having stuff, it's just when you when you're overdoing it, and you you make your life more complicated when you have excess of stuff that doesn't even you're getting anxiety over. You and know? I think that's the thing with a walk is like when you find your walk in Christ, mm-hmm. you look at the things that you have. There's nothing wrong. With how, I love the fact that I'm my that I have finance. I worked really hard for that. I'm not telling people not to work. Yeah. But how do you work and share your blessings and make sure that people see you as a godly man? Yeah. And I'll tell you Your one character. thing. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Anytime I go into a business situation, somebody tells me a Christ, they're a Christian. You yeah. know what I do? Yeah. I run the other direction. <laughs> I 
I literally run the other direction because if you have to tell me, yeah, then you're not. Yeah. Let your actions speak. You just do, do business. Just do yeah. business, right? Exactly. Character is going to be everything. It's like at the end of the day, it's like I was at a place and this guy was like, oh, he helped me help everything, this, that, and the other. And at the very end, he's like, everything got done. He goes, and I'm like, as soon as it got done, he's like, you're out of here. I'm like, oh, wow, really? And he goes, and you can sue me. And I was like, you can have it. It's all good. It's all good. And then he just went on these attacks. I'm like, it's all good, dude. It's all good. Like if that's your pent up anger and you have to look at anybody who's hating you, mm-hmm. anyone who's talking bad on you, they don't have what we have. Mm-hmm. They, don't have they don't have Christ in their life. Mm-hmm. They don't have that opportunity to just go, man, I don't want this. I don't want this anger. I don't want this pain. I want to love on people, but yet I don't know how. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to love the things that I have and I'm going to do everything in my power to take those things away from somebody who has them because mm-hmm. I think that that's going to hurt them. But you can't take away a man's walk with Christ. The only person who can take that away from him is mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. by losing focus, by losing track, by, by struggling, insecurity, pornography. The list goes on. All oh, the yeah. struggles. All the struggles. I, I, you watch it to this day. It's like you, you look at – like I, I love it. Like when you, when you speak and you, and you go to a church and you bring up pornography and you just see – everyone just start getting so uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a men's accountability group every Wednesday morning. And that's our accountability group. It's like, did your eyes wander? Mm-hmm. And, and that is uh, the number one question. And these, I'm the youngest guy in the group, and I'm going to be 55, mm-hmm. right? I'm the youngest pastor pizzer. And that's the number one question that guys that are 15 to 20 years older than I am, they struggle with. Yep. That's it. And, that, and they were never, ever... That was never talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Now that it's talked about, it's like that's the number one question that people struggle with. Yep. It blows my mind. Guys and girls. Guys and girls. Yeah. And it's like, how do, how do you take everything full circle and just look at it and go, how do I divest? How do I love my wife in a way that I should? How do my eyes not wander? How do the things, what do I look to, mm-hmm. right? And maybe there's someone listening going, well, what's wrong with pornography? Well, the whole deal is if you're watching porn, I, I used to watch porn. <laughs> if you watch porn, and you're married, you're basically not even looking at your wife. You're, you're thinking about all the girls that you're watching on the, the screen. Oh, so I, you're basically I, having sex with the, the screen. And that's why God says, you know, even if you even look on a girl with us, you're committing adultery. Because the whole thing is God has these guidelines set up so you're not cheating on your wife. Because if you're having sex with your wife and you're thinking about other, other guys, other girls on the screen, why are you even married? Yeah, and I think I think it becomes a challenge. Like, I'm not gonna. My wife would probably be bummed, but like, she walked in the room time and she caught me like looking at something I should be looking at. Yeah. And she was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm all thank you. You caught me." Yeah, I'm like, "I sh- I, sh- I don't know what I'm doing." Yeah, right. Yeah, because it happens. It happens, but it's like God putting those little moments in your life and putting you in check. It's like it's it's crazy. Like you're just like, and it's it's so wild out there because that social media. All that kind of, it's, it's everywhere. Dude, everywhere. It's everywhere. And I have daughters that aren't teenagers anymore, but they're friends. It's like, yeah. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I was on a, cause I used to follow these funny websites and I was watching funny videos and they snuck a hardcore porn scene in one of those funny videos. And you know what's crazy? Is you just understand, you, you just keep watching it. You click it. You and click I, it. And you're just like, dude, I, I, I turn it on and I told my wife, I go, uh, porn just happened right now on my, my Instagram. I had to unfollow the, the account. But yeah. But crazy. It, it's like crazy. It'll, it'll hook you right back to yeah, where you and it, But those, those are the things that, that make us stumble the most. Yeah. But the things that make you stumble the most yeah. are the things that it's just, once again, 
It's wants. It's things you think you don't have. It's things that you, yeah. you're you looking at. Like you look at a certain thing, you go, hey, if I have this, people are going to look at me a certain way. If people see me drive this this snappy car, yeah. they're going to think I'm cool. Yeah. There's like, they're going to, like, my hair is like pure white. Mm-hmm. You know, it was funny because I was talking to your brother and he's like, dude, my hair's getting all gray. I'm all good. <laughs> you know, it's like, just got to age with grace. Heck yeah. We don't know when it's going to come to an end. Yeah. So I just look forward to trying to be humble, be a leader. When I'm stumbling, before I stumble, catch myself, stay plugged in. Yeah. And just hopefully I can be a light in darkness for people. Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to – if everyone's I, – I hate the warm and fuzzies. Yeah. I mean, you read the Bible. There's – there's not a lot of warm and fuzzy in the Bible Mm-mm. and people want to make it all ethereal and, and, you know, cool and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's real. And that's, yeah. to me, it's like, I'd rather be a battle tested warrior in Christ than be a battle tested warrior in the world. Because what does that mean? There's yeah. always going to be a tougher guy in the street corner. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's nobody bigger and more awesome than God. And he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he loves, he can change your life. He's changed mine. And I struggle every day. And one thing I'll end on, because I know we're running low on time. My wife and I used to struggle with this. I always tell kids this. You're born with free will. Mm-hmm. And Ryan's dad's awesome. Whatever my, I, I think my wife and I are awesome. We, my, we couldn't control our kids and what they do. I could give them all the best information, everything else. They have free will. They're going to use it for good or evil. Yeah. The world is evil. Mm-hmm. And God is good. Mm-hmm. And he loves you. You just have to plug into what's good and not let evil overtake you because evil can come in any way, shape, or form through depression, through anxiety, through wants, through looking at porn, through looking at everything. You have to realize that stuff is of the world and that stuff will give you eternal death. And the whole thing is that's what Satan wants to do is he wants to get you caught up in that stuff. And then so you spend your whole life that you're supposed to live free and live that life that God created you for. But what happens is you get tripped in this stuff and all that stuff comes with you through your whole life. So your whole life you're miserable, even though you're, if you're flying around in private jets or own an island or whatever your fantasy is, or, you know, a $20 million house down in, down at the beach, um, you can have all that stuff. But if you have no peace and you're angry, you're bitter, you're addicted to whatever, your life stinks. And, and, and the devil's like, ha, I got him. He's going after all this stuff. He has, all, I gave him all these things. But yeah, he's miserable. Yeah, the attack's real, and it's, it's coming. Not, it comes every day, and, and, and you, you have to surround is, yourself with the right people to get through the attack. So you get the you get the right people around you. You find out who God created you for. God will chip away and get rid of all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with becoming successful and a millionaire or billionaire, dude. Go do it. You know what I mean? Go go reach your dreams. But the whole thing is, we're calling you or God's calling you to live a free life and not be a slave. And simplify. You could simplify in that your lifestyle. And you'll produce much fruit, Jesus says. God gives you the opportunity to bury it in the ground and hope that it grows, or you take it and you plant it and you make it successful. It's in yep. Scripture. It's, very, it's that simple. All right, Paul. Dude, I'm so stoked that we got the show finally happening. Thumbs up. Um, I do want to plug uh, the Whosoever's Movement We Tour to public high schools around the nation. Please contact us. We, uh, we've been touring all over across the United States. Uh, Australia. We're going to be in Chile next uh, in a week. We got Texas coming up. 
and um, other places. We want to come. We want to tour the schools. Please, if you want to donate, go to thewhosewarmers.com. We have products up there that fund our movement. We have the app. I have uh, punk rock Jesus stories I teach that are up there. We have all the past radio shows. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Please contact us. Pray for us because we want God to open up more stores. We went to 98 schools last year. We're trying to do 200 schools this year. We are expanding. So please pray for us. Uh, donate. Um, and just pray that God will continue to help us impact many students around the world. We love you guys. Talk to you soon. Peace. This has been Live with Ryan Reese. To connect or find out more about Ryan. Click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for Live with Ryan Reese. Hello, hello. Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.